Listeners, we are uh, back with a little mini-season, and uh, I think the first thing I need to say, because the jokes are going to come, and that's already... I'm already saying... <laughs> that already could be a joke there. Uh, the movie we're talking about is not a porno film. It just, that's the important it, thing. It, it just sounds like it, because it's, it has a title that is, I mean, connected to the movie, but... It took me a long time to actually remember what it was. I knew it had the number seven. I feel like it it's meant. more. I feel like it's more like a like a Skinamax movie about like a woman backpacking in Europe or something. She's like doing. <laughs> yeah. a, she's doing a gap year. Rochelle, Rochelle, a Ugh. gap year. And oh uh, my god! And okay, uh, okay. what? Gap year. <laughs> okay, that's worse. Again. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of A Free Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my vengeance-filled friends, Joe and Duff. <laughs> We're mad. Yeah, yeah We're, like, like Batman. Yeah, yep. We are... We're doing... This is... Joe, this is your idea. I thought it was a, a very clever idea. Um, You know, Joe, I think you're, the next season's yours to, to design. Is that correct, Joe? I think so, yeah. But the thought was a little palate cleanser, right? This is yep. some spring cleaning. It's spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Unless this comes do... out in a long time from now, then never mind. <laughs> it might be summer. <laughs> it's a it's a summer a summer treat to cool you down. There you go. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are your hot eats, and this is your cool treat. Ooh. Um, okay. That's weird too, boy. We're gonna talk about Any, which so... one of us is the two, which one of us is the DQ, so, and which one is so... the brazier. I don't. I don't. What's that all about? By the way, I DQ Brazier. What's the? What's like? Is what's that? Is, I, I yeah. Don't, I don't like know some DQs this, I, say there's some DQs will have a Brazier in the in the title. Uh, is that is like the, a franchise owner? Is that because they they have a grill? They have a hot grill? That's what I thought. But I think all DQs have that's them. called no no. That's called a grill and chill. Because in Spooner, no. the Dairy Queen did not have a grill, so it was only open during the summer. Okay, we but have, th- we have our like hometown that. Dairy Queen shut down because the the corporate headquarters said you not then had to have a grill. You couldn't see. Just I have think that's what happened in place. Spooner too, because it's not a Dairy Queen anymore. It's something else. It's like a different branding now. Yep. So there you so go. Maybe they put put their foot down on this these you know seasonal Dairy Queens. So there's, I think there's correct. a few left it's, in it means the you have a, It means you have a grill. Um, so an open charcoal grill is called a brazier. I did not know that. Oh, okay. All right then. Over here, I Brendan Fraser's nickname. I only know of grill and chills. We don't have these Dairy Queen brazzers or whatever you're calling. <laughs> 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 they are they are grill and chills now though. You're right, Duff. Okay, so the season idea <laughs> is we would all, each pick a movie that we don't that we know the other two haven't seen. A movie, well, I mean, in theory, a movie and that's that we all, like. that's that's all it was. It could that's be, all it was. Yeah. Dealer's choice, various Dealer's reasons. Choice. So, listen, I already told Duff this. This is very nerve wracking. I, I I feel exposed. I and could I feel a lot of pressure. I could feel your anxiety from across the state border. Yeah, just all day. 
Because I, you know, I don't. I wanna. I wanna pick something that people haven't seen, which is difficult. Because the truth is, because the between... on, the only child needs to be liked. <laughs> I'm ready for validation. Um, but to be fair, like between the three of us, we've seen a lot of movies. So, so, so finding a movie that like neither person has seen can be a can yeah. be difficult. And that yeah. like no one had any takes on or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I chose. This is I. I had the first pick. We went chronologically. This movie came out in 1956. I chose this movie called Seven Men From Now, which, as we mentioned in the intro, not a great title. Well, it depends on but, how much of the intro you kept in. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> listeners, you may not know what he's talking about. Um, so, I guess... Are men, are men part of the metric system? Is Like, how do you measure... Like, how do you measure men? Yeah. <laughs> what do you talk? What? Seven, <laughs> seven what men saying. from now. Like it's seven. Oh, seven, I see. It's like seven so feet. About it. Se- yeah. Yeah. Like okay. it's like seven men away. Gotcha. I don't know. Um, average. Average. Say, be generous and say six feet. That's at, well. Four. Men were shorter back then too, though. Mm. True. That is shorter true. men. Um. Okay. So why did I pick this? I think we should start there, right? Probably. Good place to I, start. I picked this because a. I enjoy Westerns quite a bit, and we don't really – I know Joe and I first started this whole podcasting. Let's call it an empire, right? Empire? <laughs> My we're, empire of dirt. We're, um. we're, like, we're like the nerdist, except no one, none of us psychologically abuse someone that I know of. <laughs> Yet. Uh, I love Westerns, and we really haven't talked about that many Westerns. Um and this on this uh, free podcast. Also, uh, a few years ago, many years ago, the uh, 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 in Madison, the EW Madison has a Cinematheque, which is very cool. They show movies all throughout the year. They had a series on. Um, I'm sure I'm gonna say his name wrong because it's spelled all sorts of ways. So I think it's Bud Bedeker, even though there's yeah, an O in that, it. I think it's that, Bud Bedeker. That's my guess. Um. They had this like see they had you know a few screenings of some Bud Bedeker movies and I was like oh, I never heard of this and pretty much find out like in the fifties uh, this guy made like these B movies these B movie westerns and I was like I should watch these someday and then I never did because it took me like going somewhere and uh, <laughs> and then a couple years ago the Criterion Channel had like a little mini retrospective on it and had like uh, these six. Um, Bud Bettinger movies that star Randolph Scott. And uh, the first one is called Seven Men From Now. And then, oddly enough, shortly after I picked this, Criterion announced releasing a uh, Criterion like box set, like a 4K Blu-ray box set, that includes five of these Bettinger-Randolph Scott movies. Although... <laughs> Uh, although this is not one of them, this one was excluded, which we'll get into why that would be excluded and what that means. So this one, not part of it, which is a bummer because of the of the the, the six I've watched, this is the one I enjoy the most. Uh, but Don't... yeah, I just want to talk about a fun little westerns. Also, we talked about Rob cuts, Lum cuts. It's seventy eight minutes. Long. I was gonna say, is the reason you picked this because it's under eighty minutes? <laughs> I mean, it's seventy eight minutes long. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just a beautiful little thing? I mean just... in the age where every I mean, I'm on team make things shorter, you know that. But yeah, in an age when like James Bond movies have an intermission because they're four hours or whatever they are now. Yeah. Like this tight little package. Right. 
Right. So that's why I chose it. Also, like, it's a movie where I was pretty confident neither of you have seen. Now, Duff, I do know you have seen The Tall T. Yes. Uh, I don't remember a ton, but I okay. did. I like did. T like the drink? Uh, T, just a letter T. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the most they famous all, Bud They all have word. wonky titles that also, as we mentioned, sound pornographic, if you think about it. Uh, but yeah, it's, again, and they all have Randolph Scott. Uh, yes. And yeah, Talty is, uh, again, I believe it's pretty short. I don't remember it super well, but I. They're all, I, they're all, they're all. I liked short. it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I guess let's, it's not really a secret, but uh, I like this too. I thought this, this is a very fun, economical movie. Yeah, there's, uh, I think they all, let's see, these all came out like in a short amount of time. I believe uh, this is Seven Men from Now is 1956. And, Depends on if you argue there's there's we'll talk to it if there's five of these if there's six of them or there's seven of them, but essentially they all came out between 1956 and 1960. And they all star um, Randolph Scott and they all uh, were directed by Bud Bettinger. So it's like you know there's there's we can get to like how you could actually define them a little differently, but we'll get to it. We should maybe talk about the movie. Should we do that first? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so seven men from now. Uh, starts with a song, guys. Yeah. Uh, I love when Westerns have their own Seven men. It, it it it's almost an opera. It is some like some basso profundo there. Like it, it is. It, they got one of the Looney Tunes voice actors to sing the song at the beginning. <laughs> Apparently, when it was like, because this movie like for the longest time was just like it came out, you know, did pretty well considering what it was. I mean, it started this whole like, you know, uh, all these films that we'll talk about called the renowned westerns that existed uh but then it like wasn't available outside of like you know theatrical releases and art films you know like, like little things until like 50 years after like weirdos out. like quentin tarantino who had prints of it and such. right right um but apparently when it was re-released um there was some i think bud bettinger and others were like can we get rid of the song and they're like no keeping the song I like the song. I mean, it. I don't think it hurts. It's no. <laughs> but yeah, like every. I don't know when it stopped. Probably once Spaghetti Westerns killed it once and for all. But you always had to have a song in your western. So I, we're gonna get to this. This is one thing I also like about this movie. This is kind of the end of like westerns being just what if there was a story, right? Like this isn't a revisionist film. This isn't trying to like kill the myth of the western. It's just like yeah, this takes place in the west. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's small stakes. It's just dudes having problems. Like, and I think it doesn't. Um, I mean, there are, um, for lack of a, I, I've I'll say Indians because in the vernacular it's cowboys and Indians. Like that's right. that's what it is. But so there are Indians, but not really the focus. They're in it for like five minutes. Yeah, and uh, regarding the story thing, Tall T, which will. Probably the most famous of them was actually, ba- it was written by the same screenwriter Burt Kennedy, which we'll talk about. This is actually our second Burt Kennedy movie we've talked about. We'll get to this on this podcast, but uh, Elmore it was based off an Elmore Leonard story. I did not know that. Um, so okay, what happens to Seven Men from now? Well, we we see Randolph Scott, and he just comes across this encampment during a rainstorm there's two guys there and he talks to them when he finds out that uh they're from this town silver springs and then uh he kills them and you're like oh 
<laughs> okay. It's like the Marlboro man went on a murder spree. Yeah. So like, you know, what's what's going on there? Then a little later on we see him, he comes across this wagon, stuck. It's got this 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 guy, uh God, what's that guy's name who's in it? I don't remember the name of the guy. John. John and his wife Annie. Annie's a bit of a looker, played by Gil Russell, which we'll get to her. She's got quite a story. And uh, John is, well, John is if I was in the Old West. John, <laughs> like, oh, man, <laughs> this dude, John, he just wanted to play Oregon Trail, and he <laughs> he is just befuddled at every turn. I feel for John so much. He's trying, but he has no, he needs no Google. He doesn't have, he can't look it up. Right, there's no internet for him to figure out what to do. He's no. just like trying to just push on he, through. Uh, he this uh, to a certain ex- other characters receive this as well, but this movie is just one constant cucking of John. <laughs> he like he he's just emasculated at every turn. And he, pretty he keep, quickly, he, he keeps being put in these situations where he could step up, and like every time he doesn't, it's just more and more embarrassing. Until the time he does step up and it yeah. doesn't go well for him. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, and right away, like, Annie starts looking at old Ben Stride, like, man, that's a man. That's a man that knows how to do things to me, is how I take every look she gives. That is a man yeah. you know, which, that like, knows how to use his hands. It's, it, which is is so, like, like, damaging, like, looking at it in hindsight, because he is such a broken, awful human being. Not awful human right. being, but he's such a certainly a broken human being. Yeah, I mean, sort he, of is, em, he embodies all of like the post-war like ideas right? of what a man is. Yeah, in, 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 in like the in in ways that looked upon in hindsight, it's like, oh, this this man has like a significant uh, mental illness. Yeah, he is <laughs> he is damaged with a capital D. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we find out later the reason he's damaged, and essentially the plot of the movie is um, he lost his sheriff post due to an election and then was too prideful to like get a regular job so then his like wouldn't take the deputy job wouldn't take deputy job so his wife took a job and then she was working at wells fargo at like the office and the the, like it got robbed by seven men and she goes killed during it so that explains the first two men is those are two of the seven men involved with the robbery so now ben strider's just on the hunt to find these seven guys and kill them Hence, seven men from now. <laughs> he should be on the hunt to find a mirror. <laughs> like, I mean, that's part of what, like, <laughs> like this movie. It's just like this guy sucks. Which, like, doesn't I, make it a bad movie in and of itself. He, but it, it's like, it's it's just, I guess, bold. If the there's that point, there's that point where uh, he's talking to like uh, Annie, and. She says something about like, do you think I I love my husband any less because like he is the way he is, and he and he just point blank looks at her and goes, yes. <laughs> it's like that dude sucks. <laughs> Could you imagine? Do you think I love her? You think I love him any less because the way he is? Yeah, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I, w- I would. So. <laughs> So he he obviously he feels bad that he feels like his wife's dead because of him, which she kind of is. I mean, yeah, not, absolutely no. is. Um, well, I guess not completely, but I so mean, then he, we... he didn't pull the trigger. But he right. it's, if he if he had just sacked up and been the deputy, which or is still... simply moved. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's clearly adept at travel. 
and yes. shooting. And shooting. So then we meet up. Uh, so he decides to help out, help them out uh, under, you know, a little, little stagecoach. And we meet up. Uh, helping is generous. I think he's just like, Christ, this dude's going to die. And so is she yeah. if I don't. Like, it was. Okay. this is a mercy uh, companion. Well, I mean, I think I think it's interesting about this movie. When you watch it, like, it's sort of, I, I find it fascinating. Because for being a 78-minute movie, you don't really understand how it's going to unwind until you start, like, right away you see him kill two people. And then you see him meet them. And, like, initially, he kind of, like, begrudgingly helps. And the guy's yeah. like, can you run the wagon? He's like, why don't you do it? And, yeah. like, <laughs> everything about him is sort of, like, this harsh. You're not really sure, like, what's happening, I feel like, in this movie. Like, what... You know, you don't quite learn until like half hour into it about like what we just told you about the wife and the seven men and everything. You're just watching him, you know, hang out with these people. Then we meet, we meet old Bill Masters, played by Lee Marvin. We're gonna have plenty to say about Lee Marvin, I'm sure. Who's can, can, just, can I interrupt and just say something? Please ask some questions about the sheriff's election. So he proves over the course of this movie that he's probably a pretty capable lawman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So just imagine a, a guy as skilled at, at, as this at tracking down and dispatching criminals. How awful he must have been to people to lose a sheriff's election in the Old West. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, like I, what, I, that's what, what I he... found myself thinking about. It's like, man, I mean, he's he's a jerk in the movie, but like you excuse it a little bit. It's like, well, he just lost his wife and he's, you know, not in a great place. But then it's like, maybe this is just, if he'd lost a sheriff's election when he's this good, he he probably is just always like this, right? Or maybe he just like he also probably never played the game, right? Like once once sheriff became to election, he's like, well, I'm the best sheriff. Why would I but do what, anything? So I and yeah. I, I worry probably getting too deep, but wouldn't he have had to at least have won a sheriff's election? So or was, I don't. Or was he just appointed and then? I think he was just appointed, and then eventually they were like, "Oh, sheriff's now an electable position," and then he lost. Or uh, like, that's if we've learned anything from westerns of like growing towns, like you've got to be kind of corrupt to hold on to that job, um, right? Also, so, so also, maybe he wouldn't you know, play the game in terms of like kissing up to like the rich guys in town. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, also, I will. It, it is pretty impossible because a. Uh, Americans don't vote and when they do they don't vote about sheriff like it is it's like you win with like 10 votes and most of them are your family or something (laughs) yeah like my town is like the only one that managed to turn a sheriff's election into a big deal because we some for some reason kept electing David Clark until people like (laughs) realized how insane he is or the average person Uh, realized it well our we briefly had the first gay sheriff but then he pulled a DUI and sheriffs uh, love doing that um and the guy before him uh was a huge racist who oh somehow his uh kid got caught in a sting for picking up a minor uh, so yeah. Oh boy. Oh. You, you kind of had like the like holy trinity of sheriffs there. <laughs> <laughs> like they're the three archetypes. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, you, that- so point being, you have to be uh, pretty racist and or bad at your job to lose a sheriff. Right. Right. So we eventually meet up with Masters and Cleet. Masters played by Lee Marvin. Cleet yes. is his like his guy i don't know like his like his chewbacca (laughs) yeah and we essentially learn this is when we kind of eventually learn the whole thing where like you know stride is trying to like you know get vengeance for his wife 
and we learn that Masters and Cleet are just tagging along because they know that Tribes eventually going to kill all seven men, and when he does, there's going to be this huge lockbox of $20,000 in gold that they stole, and they'll just take the gold. Not a bad idea by Masters. I that's a pretty fair. that's a pretty great plan in my opinion. And as the movie kind of unfolds, you know, they get one of the guys, so now they're down to four. Then there's another shootout, and then we learn that the wagon that he's been with the whole time has actually been carrying the gold the entire time because Twist. old John, you know, needed money and they were running out into trouble and were essentially told by these guys like, hey, why don't you just like bring this box to Florida Vista? In addition to being terrible at everything outdoors, he <laughs> yeah. is, he's broke. Yeah. So, uh, what, what's so in the back he, of the wagon? Oh, about 8,000 pounds of gold. Hey, let's yeah. dr- let's, so, let's ride it through that muddy uh, river over there. Yeah, so three-fourths of the way across the country, he's like, oh, I'll basically pick up some mob work while I'm out here. He's the guy that will watch your bag for a while in the airport. Yeah. So eventually there's multiple shootouts. Uh, all seven guys are killed, and then we have Masters, played by, as I mentioned, um, Lee Marvin versus Ben Stride. There's a shootout. Stride wins, but he's um, his leg is shot or whatever. But also, what happens? We mentioned John, Annie's husband. The one moment he decides, you know what, we should help out John. We should help out Ben Stride. They get to town, and he's like, I'm gonna go walk right over there to that sheriff and let him know what's going on. And this is when the other two, four of the men are still alive. Uh, and they watch him, and then they just shoot him in the back. <laughs> and that yeah. was like the one time of him trying to be brave. And also, it was the one time he tried to be brave, and probably the most predictable time that that would fail. <laughs> right. Like, dude, I don't know. You don't have to walk in front of him. Maybe just, yeah. like, do it casually. Just, just moonwalk away. Uh, so so the movie him. essentially ends. Stride's still alive. The seven men are dead. Masters is dead. Cleet is dead. Um, strides alive as is Annie and, uh, they return the gold and he's going to, he tells Annie, he's going to take a job as deputy back at Silver Springs, which is what he should have done to start with. Hindsight's 2020 buddy. Uh, and then he puts her on a stagecoach to go to California, but she says she's not going to go, which leaves them ambiguous that, oh, maybe she'll end up with him because there was definitely a lot of sexual tension. The sexual tension is she wants to bang stride. And Masters is from the beginning like, I'm going to bang Annie. <laughs> yeah. She's young and good looking. Also, I uh, think Stride is like decades older than her. And it's, doesn't, that part doesn't do it for me because yeah. I thought yeah. it was going to be that they were going to develop a uh, father daughter relationship. Let me tell you, man, how old do you think Lee Marvin is in this movie? Oh, I was just reading about him. Um, 50 something uh i mean he's been gray since birth so it's hard to tell um, joe do you have any guesses on it this was 56 uh, yep uh he looks like uh, 45 35 come 35. on <laughs> I, I was gonna say i didn't think he actually looked that old in this movie he's but I guessed he must have been older than I thought, he's but I he's just looked not not grizzled, but I don't know how to describe it. Like Because Randolph's got 60 in this movie, I think. And looks it. Yeah, but he looks cool. He does look 60, I mean, though. He, he looks old. Yeah, he, he looks cowboy in a Lyndon Johnson way. So, yeah. Can, can we say that, that um, Stride gets like the best of both worlds here? Because... Um, 
Gets a younger wife, probably. If well, he wants, yeah. <laughs> he, but no, because he gets his revenge, but he continues to have an excuse not to work. Because he gets <laughs> shot in the leg. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so. he does take he does take the deputy sheriff job, like, apparently. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, anyways, I like how the movie just unfolds. It's kind of like, you know, it's for 78 minutes. You don't... I feel like every, like, act kind of unveils a new part of the movie, and it's just fun as it sort of unfolds and it ends and you're like yes that's fun uh well before i forget thank goodness that the wells fargo corporation got their money back oh i was glad yes. to, glad glad to see that sympathetic institution great uh, point great point so i mentioned the renowned <laughs> like now like i'm watching it's like oh f wells fargo oh, take take that money yeah i think masters is right why does it matter if you take that's already stolen yeah um, oh, and I like how uh, Masters, uh, he just shoots Cleet. Just, I gun, just yep. guns him down. for, And then he's like, what about Cleet? Nope. Nope. Cleet's dead. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, he didn't need to kill Cleet, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, uh, the connections on the renowned Westerns are uh, the, the, the pure renowned Westerns, the ones that are in the Criterion Collection boxes coming out are movies that are directed by Bud Bettinger, written by Burt Kennedy, starring Randolph Scott, and and um, produced by, um, who's this gentleman? John, who, John Wayne? Harry Joe Brown. Oh, okay. These John are, Wayne now, produced. <laughs> these are such classic Hollywood names. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. Her- no one is Harry- named any of these names anymore. Her- and the reminder <laughs> is Burt Kennedy... Chuck- I'm just chuckling, like the idea of like, oh, uh, what should we name our baby? Uh, Harry Joe. <laughs> Burt Kennedy. We've talked about a Burt Kennedy movie on here, guys. Burt Kennedy was the director of Suburban Commando, the writer <laughs> of this on. movie. Come on, wait, hold on. He wrote. <laughs> wait, say, he wrote. Say, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> yeah, so hold on. Sorry. <laughs> he. Yeah. <laughs> Just this trying. is the first movie he wrote. He wrote Seven Men from Now in 1956, and in 1991, he directed Suburban Commando. Hey, work is work. I, that rocks, honestly. Yeah. What if, okay, if we could. <laughs> okay, so is Rick Moranis in Suburban Commando also, right? I, I, or am I mixing it up with Manny uh, uh, no, one? Christopher no. Lloyd's in Christopher Suburban. Lloyd okay. and Shelley Duvall. Okay, Christopher Lloyd. And a young Elizabeth Moss okay. as a little so girl. If, if, if you could make either Hulk Hogan or <laughs> or Christopher Lloyd be one of the seven men, which one would you pick? <laughs> oh, Christopher. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> First of all, if, if Hulk Hogan was one of the seven men, there would be a six, seven man on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be Hulk Hogan, I guess. I mean, the... I can't even imagine there's a horse. Like, they need one of those Clydesdales and be, amped up full of roids or something. Yeah, Clydesdale would be able to do it. Or, or I think, I mean, I'm not 100% that Burt Kenny wrote all of them. He wrote at least three or four of them. Whatever. He wrote he wrote a handful of them. So what happened is, here's the whole backstory. Um, uh, uh, John Wayne sees the script. John Wayne's going to come back into this a few times. John Wayne sees the script and is like, oh, this seems like a good script. I'm going to do this movie. And he agrees oh, to do the movie. Oh, man. I wish I, – well, I don't want to get controversial here. So he he's going to do it, but then he gets offered another script. 
called uh, the searchers. Yeah, that's probably the right move. And yeah. besides, oh, I should do the searchers. I but they'd already started. Sorry, moving. They started moving on with this. So he was like, all right, well, let's get Randolph Scott in this, who's like an old actor who hadn't really been doing much. Um, and then he also gets Gail Russell involved, which we'll talk about. She she plays um, Annie. Let me – I don't mean to be mean, but Gail Russell was a drunk. Big well, time. And, and to be fair, so was Lee Marvin. Like, oh, let me – can I get can, like, like a Midwest drunk? Or like no. a sad one, sadder one, sad one, sadder like, one, like like sadder Mar- one. <laughs> Martin, she- we're talking like martinis at lunch, drunk. So yeah, I'm saying she's dead five years from the making of this movie. Oh, mm. so not like yeah. Corbell Friday drunk. No, no, like too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because Midwesterners never have too much. Uh, no. She's also will come up later. We'll talk about her. Um, she ends up part of the um, John Wayne divorce. Um, story in court as well. We'll get to that. So she ends up doing it. So then Bud Benninger comes in. They do this movie, and it's produced by um, Bad Check Productions, which is the John Wayne um, producer. So that is why after this movie was like somewhat a success. Then Bettinger and Kennedy. And, why do you or, keep calling I, him Bettinger? What is it, Bettinger? You Look said at, it right no the first. Bedeker. Yeah, Bedeker. you said you said Bedeker. it right the first time, and then it's a lot of letters. It's just been getting more wrong every time he says Bedeker. Bedeker. Randolph Scott, along with that producer Harry Joe Brown, create this renowned pictures, which creates five more movies, it's which a are cool the ones that are officially. It is. It is. So they create those five movies, which um, are like Tall T. And um, it's the Tall T, Decision at Sundown, Buchanan Rides Alone, Ride Lonesome, and Comanche Station. And that's Tall T is the best. That's what Criterion's putting out later this year, right? Yes. Those five. Ride Lonesome is also very good. So so technically, Seven Men from Now is not part of that. And they didn't name the company uh, Harry Harry Joe Pictures? Nope, they did not. <laughs> so so this, is a- the, this is the movie that opened up the opportunity for them to make. Correct. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah, and exactly. So did John Wayne put his own money into? Uh, he was his production company, so he must have been involved somehow in it. He he did. I mean, I heard I read that he recut it or altered it in a way that uh, uh, Bedeker didn't approve of, but then was finally restored like fifty years later. But I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what the differences are. What, what was the John Wayne movie we talked about last year? Um, oh, uh, the. Oh, 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 we've talked about two. We've talked about uh, not the Conqueror. The not, not the one we played <laughs> not, Genghis Khan. Uh, <laughs> the Shootist. The, the Shootist. The Shootist, yeah. okay. So, like, I I don't want to be mean, but, like, I, I thought Randolph Scott was pretty bad in this movie overall. Um, he's Okay, I shouldn't say pretty bad. He's, like, fine. He just stands around. He just can't. He has no charisma at all. And, like, so, like, his gruff demeanor at the beginning, I was like, oh, well – that'll kind of you know soften it up and they'll show some more shades but never really does not um no but like the shootist like era not not that old maybe but like that sort of like kind of mean sometimes but like you could tell has a heart kind of john wayne performance i think really would have been good in this movie absolutely i mean let me be clear there's no there's there's no comparison between john wayne and randall no Scott. and i and, and that's an unfair comparison but it's just i only make it because you know as you said john wayne i guess was somewhat close to doing it right right yeah yeah it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, most of the whole movie, I was just like, can Lee Marvin start talking again, please? I oh, like Lee when, Marvin is so great. I like it when yeah. Lee Marvin is on the screen and he's talking. <laughs> he just runs I mean, circles yes. around Randolph Scott as a as an at movie actor. He's just like tap yeah. dancing. On oh, him. I mean, absolutely. I, I think Randolph Scott is fine, uh, but yeah, it's even even when he's supposed to be old, I see him. I'm like, man, you're too old for this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are you are ancient by cowboy standards. Yeah, he is. He is. He's a little stiff. But yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I I didn't know he was that. I I assumed he was like you know fifty fifty five. I didn't know he was sixty in this movie. But yeah, yeah. I mean that's what I think it's interesting. Like Bud Bedeker was also around forty. He had made like I don't know dozens and dozens of movies before that. It's just interesting to get these two old guys who are like, hey, this worked pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and then the, they kind of like the Roger Corman school of filmmaking style. Right. Just crank them out. Be on time. Make budget. And that, right. that shows, like, what a cool, like, special place California is because without that that much money, they could still make, like, what I thought was, like, a pretty good-looking Western, like, landscape-wise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're just so lucky that they can just drive, like, a couple hours away and there's all this stuff there. I mean... It's, it's amazing. This is this is the thing, right? Like, this is the thing about, like, these B-movies. It's fun they exist. Most B-movies aren't great, but, like, it's fun when you can see a good one. You're like, yeah, they didn't make this for... A, it doesn't cost much money. It looks great. Seventy-eight minutes, you know, it's an enjoyable little thing that exists. Another thing that I enjoy about watching like older films that have like you know actors of note from their time period, but like not necessarily people like well remembered now. Like Randolph Scott had had a great career, um, yeah, like as a working actor, but no one talks right. about him anymore. I, at least no, I'd never hear. But then no, it's it's just so fun they, to read their stories, like. It, it, first of all, all all of these, both in front of and behind the camera, all of these men were married at least five times. Yes. And <laughs> Randolph Scott uh, is sort of an exception. He was only married twice. But but uh, Bedeker is married five times, I think, right? Uh, yeah. And like, it, oh, no, yeah, five. And Randolph Scott was like in World War One, and I think yeah. he tried to get into yeah, World War Two. This, this was like, the era when probably like a 75% chance that your lead actor had killed some Germans and is just severely damaged forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was um, Lee Marvin, Lee Marvin was in the war too, right? Yes. And uh, we'll get to that. But I mean, a teaser is that uh, Lee Marvin joined uh, the Marines. No, he joined the army and he was 18 years old. No, he's in the, he according to Wikipedia is the Marines. Okay. Um, he fought in the Battle of Saipan, which was one of the bloodiest battles. Oh my god! <laughs> and he actually Lee got Marvin did. Yeah. Oh, wow. And oh, he got. Yeah, up. I'm looking at his medals. This dude saw legit he's, action. <laughs> he he has a purple heart, and he's buried at Arlington. Oh wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. He is a f- fascinating dude. <laughs> well, speaking of, before we get into Lee Marvin more, you mentioned some one of them here is sort of Warner Color. Is that you, Duff? Yeah, I just added that because I find it funny that this is the era when, depending on what studio and what year, there's always just like some color or cinematography thing. It's like, oh, Vista Vision or Warner Color or right. whatnot. Because it was that era when everyone was just trying to figure out how to compete with TV. So I was like, Warner Color, what the, the F is that? And I looked it up, and it's basically uh, a cheap one strip alternative to technicolor that huh. was that turned into eastman color like it was just like 
there's all these random things where like, ah, oh, it's pair, you know, kind of, I, I guess it's come full circle. And now it's streamers like, ah, oh, it's Paramount plus, or it's, it's HBO max, but now it's max. And like, they just keep using all the same terms. And eventually it just kind of becomes like Kodak film stock. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It is interesting because as movies are trying to compete with TV and you see this a little bit with the, um, the Jimmy Stewart movies of Anthony Mann, like these sort of like these Westerns with the, the whatever color technology they use makes it almost in my mind, make it seem even more like TV because it has that, like, it feels like colored, like it feels like what color yeah. TV looks like when I think of in the sixties. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. If you use the cheap color, it doesn't, yeah, I, I totally see what you mean. Because Technicolor must have cost a fortune because you had to have someone from Technicolor on the set at all times to, to shoot in it. Like, yeah, they were super, was... super strict about about Technicolor. Like, uh, you couldn't just, like, it's not like you could just say, we're going to use that, Here here's the money. Like, there's all these rules you had to follow and, and special people you had to have on set. I, I didn't know this yeah. until, like, last year. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it was... And it was uh, when they say three strips, so it was three times the film stock, so it was yeah. hella expensive. Oh wow! Because okay. it, it was three, it was three black and white strips, and uh, probably red, green, blue. Uh, they would each one would have a tint or something, which is why like it's so like it's so hard and expensive to restore Technicolor, and why so many of them are crumbling because it's just so expensive to do. Mm. Mm. Also um, looks incredible though. Yeah, like you look at pictures. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean the most famous is probably Wizard of Oz, but like uh, Adventures of Robin Hood or uh, Black Narcissus, right. like the Paul yeah. and Pressburger movies. Oh my movies. god, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even like this stuff, like um, you brought up the Anthony Mann movies. This reminded me of. Uh, um, I really like this and. Uh, tall tall texas tea whatever it's called tall tea the tall tea um yeah and along with uh i believe it's an anthony mann movie the naked spur with jimmy naked Stewart. Spur. i am yep um where they're i mean they're they're pretty simple but they're also twisty and like characters are more like can be morally ambiguous but it's not not quite to that like nihilistic uh spaghetti western feel but I mean, at various times in this, you know, we, I mean, with Lee, like sometimes like you're kind of with Lee Marvin and against Mm -hmm. him, uh, with John, like, I mean, there are times he's more sympathetic than others. And I mean, Randolph Scott is pretty stiff, but there are times where you sympathize with him more than others. The scene in the stagecoach in the rain is so good. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. When when poor uh, when the husband is just sitting there drinking his coffee quietly, being cucked by two different guys, he's, and he's like, "You take first watch." Oh, okay. <laughs> Their wife is just soaked, not from the rain, but from these oh, two men. No, oh, she, she, she. <laughs> Sorry, she is true. She is Arizona desert dry for her husband. Oh my god! Oh, uh, I'm. I'm... <laughs> Jesus, I'm seeing that. So uh, sorry, I'm seeing as I look up the tall T that was shot in Technicolor. So oh, okay, another reason they got, for me got, to... a, got a little more money. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, yeah, it's out. definitely that's definitely tall T and Ride Lonesome. I think are the two other ones that I thought were best from the six I've seen from this series. All right, so should we should we do the funny stories or the sad one first? 
Yeah, what do you think? Let's get the sad, uh, sad let, stuff let, out of Yeah, let's, let's, let's get the sad one done. All right, Gail Russell, uh, born in Chicago. She was... Okay, so uh, now that, that adds up. If <laughs> <Midwestern>. <laughs> yep. Loved Corbell. Um, so she, no, she, she was not down there. They don't, she had to uh, move an hour she, north. She's, she seems like a Malort girl. Oh. Uh, so she, she was, she was, uh, she was beautiful and that's how she was discovered. Are you, are you doing Andrew WK lyrics now? <laughs> <laughs> and so she, she like started doing movies when she was 19, but, uh, she wasn't like, ready for Hollywood, right? She wasn't great with, like, she'd get nervous about learning her lines and practicing her lines. Yeah. She'd get, she'd cry about it. it. just wasn't. So then eventually people introduced her to alcohol <laughs> to, like, calm down. Give her the old like, Judy Garland treatment. So she didn't start uh, drinking until she went to Hollywood? Apparently a head of, the head of makeup on set for one of the movies is the one who suggested she drink. Wow, to, that's got to um, be one of the only times, like, someone on set would introduce drugs or alcohol to an actor to get I think it's the only time it's ever happened. That's why it stopped. People don't do it anymore. (laughs) And it's, it's uh, so, yeah. So this was of the period where, uh, I guess what we would call grooming nowadays, where it's just like, right. Uh, we own you. Um, here are some uppers. Uh, if you gain five pounds, we'll fire you. Like that was, that was how that went. Um, also, probably sexually harassed a lot. So she she had stage fright. She wasn't confident, and so she would just uh, some quote was about someone you know she was introduced to the tranquilizing benefits of vodka, mm-hmm. and so was able to. So by 1950, at this point, she's 26. Uh, she was pretty much known as she's an alcoholic. So, I mean, they um, they started her off with the with the pros liquor. Vodka. Yeah, yeah, like just right. So then. In, in 1953, John Wayne's um, then wife claimed during the divorce proceedings that John Wayne and her had spent a night together and had an affair. Both John Wayne and her deny it, so I think we have to believe. Can them. you call it an affair <laughs> if it just happens one night? No. Well, I called it an affair. I oh. guess they spent one night. They spent the night together. Parent, big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> So how, then, many, how many nights is when does it become a big deal? I don't know. Whatever. So when the number becomes crooked, then it. Okay. What so do you call then, it if it wasn't an affair? What, if, a uh, tryst. A tryst. Okay. Yeah. A tryst. A rendezvous. Um, a rendezvous. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, a little rendezvous. They rendezvoused. I heard. So that. <laughs> Did you hear that? They so that, that affair was in what year? 1953 is when she made the claim. And John Wayne was already like kind of old at that point too. Like, uh, can you imagine old sack of cancer-ridden bones John Wayne getting serviced by this this young nubile woman? <laughs> he had <laughs> cancer by then, did he? I don't know. Fifty. He, he, he lived another twenty years, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Just kidding. Okay, that's why they okay, call. Actually, that's why they. That's makes, why they call him the shootest. He still looks. He still was looked old. In the, like he looks way older than her in the fifties. I'm. Just, <laughs> the, uh, uh, <laughs> they also called him. Well, also, they he, also called he wasn't his, caught. He wasn't. They weren't caught because he was the quiet man. <laughs> okay. She. So uh, she. When when she never climaxed, uh, she started calling him the searcher. 
Couldn't find it. Uh, can you imagine like laying down in bed during your rendezvous and John rendezvous Wayne, just John Wayne like just strides in t- up to the bed doing the John Wayne walk wearing just like boxer shorts or something. <laughs> what was the He's trick? A charismatic he, what was man. the trick he did with his boots to walk like that? Yeah, he kind of like. Did he wear one? They were like a size too small, or or what was it again? I, I, I know what you're talking I'm not sure, but he I did can't something. Off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, just just a, a tall mountain of a man. Like the the, the iconic American. Like yeah. just why wouldn't she want some of that? You t- know? Intimidating. Yeah. She would have to um, have a lot of vodka to, to get ready for that. <laughs> I'm sure there's many of women in nineteen fifty would have gladly laid down for old John Wayne. Yeah, probably. All right. So, okay. So then we have a little segment here called Legal Troubles. <laughs> so in 1953, she got arrested for drunk driving, was held overnight, overnight rendezvous in the jail. Different type. Um, in 1954, she um, pleaded guilty to a charge of drunkenness. Um, they told her that in lieu of the jail sentence, she just didn't couldn't use intoxicants or attend night spots for two years <laughs> like the public drunkenness charge always means they did something way worse than that and oh yeah they, they just, just got yeah. pleaded to, to that it. yeah yeah that that, <laughs> that means you ran someone over <laughs> you, um that that's that's where well, they arrive at if you're famous enough like that's where you end up with after committing manslaughter we're getting there guys uh, <laughs> oh no in 1954 she was admitted uh, to a hospital in a coma after an attack of hepatitis in 1955, she hit another car containing a couple and their baby while driving. Oh, boy. So that's all before she ends up making her comeback in Seven Men From Now, which was produced by John Wayne. And, um, you know, she had a good so, performance in it. So after his ex-wife accused him of having a rendezvous oh, with yeah. her, he still like, put, put her in this movie or at least like was attached to a project yep. of hers. So that makes and, me wonder if maybe there's a little truth to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In April of 19, 1957, not a great year for her. In April, she was found unconscious on the floor of her home. In July, she was Big year. she was photographed after she drove her convertible into the front of a coffee shop, injuring a janitor. Whoa! She failed the sobriety test. Whoa! Did she? <laughs> Why didn't she quick have she, three cups of coffee after she crashed through it? Then she would have passed. She, she did fail to appear at a court appearance and was discovered at home, passed out you're due not to drinking. To, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, Why is so the then she had to have a, someone? I guess she's not famous enough to have the studio. Yeah, and this right. For I, I was gonna say if she was famous enough, Eddie Mannix would have fixed all this. He right. would have. He would have. Too old. Too old at this point. She's in her thirties. Well, they yeah. Care. I well. Number one, she doesn't have a proven track record. I mean, if she was, you know, a big, if she was a Monroe or a uh, Jane right. Mansfield or something. Yeah. yeah, they saved Marilyn Monroe. Yep. <laughs> well, they would have. They, yeah, <laughs> they, I mean, look, there's plenty. All I'm saying, well, there's Marilyn plenty. Marilyn Monroe had other powerful people uh, that were. Yeah, man, so the Kennedys true. killed her. <laughs> or, the, or the mob or whatever. Yeah. They lived to be the same age, Marilyn Monroe and Gail Russell. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'll, so I'll say in this 19- for Gail Russell looked great in this movie. Um, she does. Yeah, especially and she's really when you good. consider the context. Um, the point is just that if she was 
uh, a bigger star, they would have probably right. given her a full-time handler. But like, ah, whatever. Uh, so then she moved to a small house where she lived alone, mm-hmm. um, and then she was hospitalized. And then in always August the best 19- thing to do with chronic <laughs> alcoholics. Then in August of 1961, she was found dead in her home in Brentwood at the age of 36. Here, here's what we'll do with this addict: let's give them nothing to do and nothing <laughs> to do nothing with. Yeah, so it's such a sad little story uh, for her. All right, well, let's talk about Lee Marvin having sex with 15-year-olds. That's funny. Lee <laughs> <laughs> Marvin. You did some deep diving on Lee yeah, Marvin. I don't, to, be, so, all right, to be clear, in these things Duff's going to bring up, I don't know that he ever says he had sex with 15-year-olds. He just weirdly kept bringing <laughs> it up. So you can imagine where this is going to go. Uh, so we already mentioned uh, Lee Marvin uh, his army service, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is interesting is uh, Lee Marvin's divorce. Got another divorce story here. Lee Marvin's divorce is why we have palimony. Really? Uh, why we have alimony? Palimony. What's palimony? Palimony is where you were never married, but you were effectively a union in that you lived together, shared finances, things like that. Oh. Um, so here, I, I, I just love the way this is phrased. I'm reading it verbatim. Between his two marriages, Lee Marvin became romantically involved with Michelle Triola. Uh, they lived together for six years. Um, she gave up her acting career to be with him. Mm. So, uh, it, you know, it, imagine if it were a married couple, she would, in court, the wife would say, well, I gave all this up, so I'm entitled to this. Right. But they're never married. So uh, she had even legally changed her surname. And in 1976, the California Supreme Court ruled she and other unmarried people could sue for property division when their relationship ended. Wow. Uh, Palimony. Yep. Uh, She was awarded $104,000 for what was called rehabilitative purposes seems like gail could use some of that oh boy uh but that's like the concept of palimony comes from the case marvin v marvin wow i'll be damned uh so yeah i i learned that and i thought that was pretty cool and lee marvin like if you just wrote down what you thought like was a character of Lee Marvin. That is how he is in interviews. Like he did a, uh, I had to deep dive and go into archive.org. It was a 1969 playboy article interview with Lee Marvin, where it just, you know, runs the gamut. Um, and to be fair, by some standards, Lee Marvin was pretty progressive for his day. Like yeah. he was ant- he was anti-war, anti-Vietnam because of the the hell he went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was pro uh, gay rights, but in like the most Lee Marvin way possible. Uh, so Playboy asked him, "Do you think homosexuality is becoming more prevalent as traditional male female roles continue to blur?" And Marvin said, I certainly see it very heavily on the stage in films. In fact, I deal in it most heavenly, but it's so well disguised, no one would knew what I was doing. Let me put it this way. You get up daily and you go to work and you do whatever your job is, right? But what does the actor do? He goes into his dressing room and he disrobes and then he puts on makeup. 
and he puts on a costume and goes into an area that has a curtain. What normal man would do that? <laughs> well. uh, and, and then they say, could you ever impersonate a homosexual on screen? And he says, oh, it'd be easy for me. Now that I know where I stand, I can indulge myself in such things without any fear. Um, but then this is where it gets good. He says, uh, every kid doubts his masculinity at one time or another. I got over those fears when I was younger, but a lot of people don't. And it's a real tragedy. You can take pride in effing abroad, but there's no pride for homosexuals. No way. And the way the law treats them is really sick. If I were a homosexual and I saw a cop, I'd shudder. He's he's kind of a cab. He's yeah, uh, good for him. Interesting for nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, for considering like the context and the generation he's from, that's about as that's not as good as you're yeah, gonna get. But he, pretty good. I mean, he is very very rough and gruff, and uh, he talks about whorehouses a lot and makes an analogy about oh, if I'm banging some fifteen year old broad, maybe I'll say Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the yeah. So um, I'll I'll send on the link to this as well as an Esquire interview that was done by Roger Ebert actually in 1970. Oh uh, wow! Uh, I feel like he just plays himself in every movie now. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, he's uh, he's fantastic in this movie. I I have you ever not seen Lee Marvin and enjoyed that a lot of it? No. Yeah. He's great all the time. Uh, what uh, I'm guessing, Duff, your f- for awareness of Lee Marvin, uh, first awareness of him came from the same place as me, probably. Uh, Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Jokes about paint your wagon. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the, the first I'd ever heard of him for sure. Yeah. The paint your wagon uh, joke. But yep, and I've that's, never actually seen that movie. Have you? I've no, and isn't that no? I haven't either. That's the the Western musical with Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood, and I forget who the the leading lady is. Gene Seberg. Oh, oh really? Mm-hmm. There you go. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Um. So related. Uh, Joe, I think this is your question. Who's your favorite heavy? So let's maybe describe what a heavy is for like people who maybe don't know. Yeah, people that didn't watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. We're not talking about heavies, we're talking about heavy. Not talking about Fatty Arbuckle. No. <laughs> so like You can't use that as an answer, though. <laughs> so like the heavy is uh usually like predominantly like genre films and it's like a mm-hmm. type of actor where like they play kinda like a tough guy, but with flair i'd say right yeah like uh if 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 they were in a video game they're not the boss but they're the 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 guy the the difficult yeah like the uh, boss you face before the boss yeah it it it, it couldn't be yeah and uh but i think like in the once upon a time it's in Hollywood, and rock steady in, in uh <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood context like you can in tv it could be the main bad guy on a tv episode i think Right. Yes. Uh, but yeah, in a future film, you're right. They probably should be like like the second tier. So I just thought of this, even though I don't know if Lee Marvin is exactly like the heavy in this movie. Like, I I think he's, so. He's, he's yeah. that type for sure. Yeah. Um, right. And I just thought he was so great in this role. I was just thinking. It got me thinking of other like, I don't know. I guess when I think of heavy, I just mostly just think of like uh like a tough bad guy in like a crime movie or or like a noir or a western. 
Like, yeah, I, I, I say it was, yeah. it's usually those those genres are gangster films, which yeah. are a lot of overlap. So the first thing that came to my head on this was Sterling Hayden. Yeah, yes, that he was he was on the short list. He's he's an all timer. Uh, so that's what I thought of. Like Sterling Hayden is like a, and aren't they both in the killing? Aren't Sterling Hayden? Yes. And I've never yeah. seen well, the killing either. I, really? Fun oh, fact. Wow. Yeah, I never have. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by both, do you mean, um, Rand- Lee Randolph? Marvin? Oh, Lee-, Lee Marvin. Uh, I don't think Lee Marvin's in the Killers. Oh, okay. And never I get mind. those confused too. Up. And then there's Killer's Kiss, which is also a crime. How could I? Yeah, I'm an idiot for confusing killing and the killers. Yeah. Uh, What did you guys, what were you thinking, Joe, when you asked that question? Um, I was just, it got me thinking about, like, the different flavors of heavy. And and one thing I kind of like is, like, the the, the powerful heavy that also, like, deep down is a coward. Mm, Um, And I don't think anyone's done that better than Gene Hackman. Like and like, Unforgiven's a good example of that. Where like, ah. I, I feel like like he's just kind of I don't know if coward's quite the right word, but like there's there's like a weakness inside of him, and a bolt like like a little bully, right? That's a good answer, and I wouldn't have thought of him as a heavy in that, but uh, you're right that he you know he's he's kind of like the the flamboyant bad guy. And quick so. quick in the dead, he he he's a little different flavor, but he would yeah be that one too. yeah. So I, I think I, I, I like it when Gene Hackman's playing a bad guy like that. You know, another one I just thought of as we we're talking about this, um, Powers Booth. Yes, yep, he's, he's a good heavy. Powers Booth. Um, I also, I, I was, it, it also got me thinking of guys I wished, and it doesn't have to be a guy, but man, sorry, like, you know, so far it almost, it we have is. a lot of, we have a lot of uh, decades of movies words, men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really wish. Orson Welles would have done more stuff like that. It's not really his personality. It's just touch to... of evil, really. Well, but I, I, I feel like um, oh shoot, he's I'm definitely thinking. a heavy. He, yeah, I was gonna say he's <laughs> heavy in many ways. Well, he's so glowering and evil. And, yeah, and, and big and imposing in that. Uh, and mm-hmm. we, but but I think in Citizen Kane, you can see like the the darkness in him, like. You know he's he's a little he's lighter and younger in that movie and he's not playing like a heavy at all in it. But you could see in those scenes when he's really going off the deep end and and is he's really raging. It's like you yeah. could tell he would have been so good in in roles like that. Or the third man, he has a twinkle in his eye a lot of times. But that's another movie where you can tell like man if he leaned all the way into being a bad guy more often, right. uh, he would have been so good at it. But that's just not really. I, he never was gonna just be like a like a, an actor like that. Like, yeah, you know. but yeah. Uh, I have to what do you have, one Duff? More. Okay, yeah, Duff uh, Sayers because I'm I'm blanking. So the my my other honorable mention was Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. Uh, yep. My my one of my all time favorite actors character. He's actors. Lee Van Cleef is in one of those renowned westerns too. One of I his mean, first he, movies. He is in like. 70% of westerns he's in made Ride before Lonesome, a certain year. Like he's, I believe. I think he's yeah. in the um uh, yeah, anyway. Um uh but my pick uh Lee J Cobb in uh who I feel like if you've seen most people know him, he's the the detective in The Exorcist, but he's uh oh, he's okay. in, in on the waterfront. He's Johnny Friendly. 12 Angry Men. 
12 angry men he's the yes. one who has the like the kid who doesn't love him he's the one who shouts what's the matter with you and like oh, just, that's so heartbreaking he, he like he's kind of in like the george c scott mold he's just a big like burly guy but he's all like he's also like you know, it's like, oh, he's friendly in one minute and then the next minute. Like, that's a good pick. And, and, um, and you can, he, it's, I, I believe it's usually on YouTube. There's a, um, a made for TV version of Death of a Salesman. And he, yes, Billy Loman. Yes, actually, he was in, he was in Death of a Salesman in the original, like, production. And he's, I think, still the best, best at it, probably. I never got to see Philip Seymour Hoffman play that role, and I'm sure he was great too. But, yeah, um, I have. So good. I've forgotten about that. He is, yeah, that's, it's like one of those really early color TV, like when they would just put plays on TV, and it's, yeah, it's great. You know, I was trying to think of who's the heavy you've mentioned before to me, Duff, and I forgot Lee Jacob. That's a great, that's a great answer. Another, yeah. another military guy, too. Yeah, like I said, like a lot of these dudes, if you saw a movie, there's a pretty good chance they were in war. Ironically, not John Wayne, though. We're doing this. We're doing this uh, chronologically. So, Duff, you are next on your pick. You want to let us know a quick little uh, preview of what we're going to talk about? So this, this is I haven't seen it in a while, uh, and I'm not. I don't know if it's a movie I love, but I surely enjoy. Um, so the tagline for this film is: "It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home." Wow. Sick. So <laughs> sick. Uh, well, he's also coming home sick, probably too. <laughs> well, no, uh, no spoilers, but yeah, we will be watching uh, or talking about uh, Psycho Two from 1982. Uh, can, can, can you wait. give the audience a little taste of who's running the hotel now when he comes home? Oh, uh, and this is so. It, I'm, unless this is like a like, is it one of those where you is late in the movie and it's a surprise? Or? No, it's a, it's in the first 30 minutes and it's well known. Um, uh, so I feel like Rob will probably be more likely to like this, although I think it's super enjoyable. I'm not sure if it's legit good, uh, but it's in the it's in the De Palma mode. I feel Ooh. it's kind of like uh, it's not quite erotic, but it's very much a thriller. Um, but it does have uh, in De Palma mode early '80s Dennis Franz. Yes, uh, perfect. Yes. Um, because, uh, while Norman Bates was locked up, the state ran the motel and they're like, Dennis Franz, you're going to manage the Bates motel. You seem normal, Dennis Franz. (laughs) Yeah. You look on the up and up. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, so yeah. Fill in all those peepholes in the hotel for sure. (laughs) So, uh, Dennis, Dennis Franz is the, well, longer an interim, but the, the, proprietor the yeah proprietor manager of the Bates motel until Norman gets out they didn't and... rename it no no <laughs> I would have said simply... no way we'll get to it so yeah we this, save this, our Bates the, motel their, content yeah there's uh we'll have lots of discussions like that uh the last thing I'll tease is uh, uh, uh a Quentin Tarantino hot take that Psycho 2 is better than the original I thought his hot take was that the shot-for-shot remake of Psycho is also better than the original Psycho. Uh, Did he say both? Well, spoiler, depending on the day, Quentin Tarantino will say whatever. Or no, it was the the Breathless remake that he thought was better than the... Oh, yeah, I have read that. I have read that. But, I mean, you know, 
he'll just whatever trash movie he's watched recently he'll be contrary he's like oh actually this is better than every kubrick film or something like that <laughs> well i'm excited to find out if i agree with that. all right well uh guys thanks for talking about seven men from now with me and yeah uh, I, I really liked it i'm glad glad to hear that and listeners you know i said i'll put a link on the vimeo it's 78 minutes doesn't take long at all and uh we will talk about psycho 2 next week